Ruth Razinga for students, organizing students to cultivate pride at North Division in Obama High Schools by improving the quality of life and learning at school and in the surrounding communities. Youth Rising Up are given the appropriate tools to make change in a positive manner and collaborate with other youth groups and activists in the city of Milwaukee. Youth Rising Up works to make positive change in our community, addressing social justice issues for students, their families, and people of color face in the city of Milwaukee. Youth Rising Up is a leadership development, service learning, community service, and civic awareness youth group. Students give presentations, speak at schools and community events, lead and participate in social justice, art, field trips, and other activism. Welcome to Youthology, a student-led podcast to enlighten our listeners' minds and perceptions. We speak for the youth and we are the youth, leading the way from our own perspective. Today on Youthology, we will be talking to Venetia Kendrick, a native of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is a suicide prevention advocate focusing on suicide prevention and awareness. She is employed with the City of Milwaukee Health Department, where she serves as a community outreach specialist adolescent, suicide within the Office of Violence Prevention and the Strong Babies Program. She is a proud alumni of North Division High School in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and she received her Bachelor's of Science in Accounting from Alabama State University and her Master's of Science in Management Change Leadership from Kaplan University. Hello, I'm Naomi Elam, a sophomore at North Division High School. One of our co-hosts for Youthology, a student activist and a member of Youth Rising Up. Dinasir, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Dinasir, a freshman from Obama High School, a student activist, a member of Youth Rising Up, and our Black Student Union. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome, Benicia. We are so happy to have you with us today. We have a few things we want to ask you about today. We appreciate you taking time to let us interview you. We know how busy you are. Again, welcome, Miss Venetia. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? For example, where were you born and where did you grow up? Good morning. Thank you. First, thank you for this invitation, Naomi and Dinazir. I am grateful to have an opportunity to speak with you all today, and especially with especially with this being something that is being birthed out of North Division. I am even more excited and ecstatic to be a part of this podcast. So again, thank you for inviting me to to share a little bit about me, but to also share a little bit about the work that the work that I do. So just a little bit about myself. Born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Been here pretty much somewhat majority of, of, of my life, but um, I am a graduate of North Division High School. Graduated in 1995, so I guess I'm telling my age. But I graduated in 95 um, while I was at North. I participated with the Nefertari Dancers, also being involved with the, I was a member of the tennis team. I was a member of the cheerleading squad. I was a a member of the track team. So I kept myself extremely busy while I was in high school. And it also kept me, it kept me from being distracted from things that, you know, things that was going on, um, not just within the school, you know, that, you know, that's something that things that I shouldn't be involved in, but it also kept me busy of not being involved with what's going on just outside in the street. So I really embraced my high school year. So, you know, I definitely want to make sure that you guys both do the same on embracing, you know, your high school years. 
But, you know, once once I completed my my years at, at North Division, it was time to move on. It was time to pursue my collegiate education. And, and you know, after that, I felt that, you know, being in Wisconsin was not for me. And so I had to leave. I had to, you know, pack up my bags. And, and when it came down to, to going to going to college, you know, that's when I made my decision to go to school at a historically black college university, which is Alabama State University, located in Montgomery, Alabama. So that's just a little bit in regards, because I don't want to tell you too much, because I'll take up the whole time. So I know you guys have things to do. So that's just a little bit. Wow, that's great, especially coming from a soon-to-be alumni and a soon-to-be graduate. Where did you go to school as a child, and where did you go to college? If we want to go all the way back, I can give you a, you know, a little bit of history. So my elementary years, I went to Garfield Elementary School. Garfield Elementary School is no longer in operation, but it's actually off of 4th and, or now Vail Phillips, and Garfield. That building has actually been converted now. But I attended Garfield Elementary School, and then for my middle school, I went to um, Morris Middle School. And then, of course, um, for high school, being a, attending North Division High School. So I had, so once I graduated from North, I attended Alabama State University. I graduated from, from State in 2001. And um, I made a decision to, to actually stay in Alabama from 2001 up until 2010. And so that was a decision where, you know, I wanted to take some time to learn more about me. And I wanted to learn more about, you know, trying just really understanding or getting a, a, an understanding of my own identity. And one thing that I do like to encourage students to do is to, if you're looking into college, you know, there's nothing wrong with you know, there's nothing wrong with going to school here in the state or even in the city for that matter. But I was grateful to get an opportunity to to leave the city and to also understand life and culture outside of the state of Wisconsin. So being or having that opportunity to not just go to school in the South, but attend an HBCU, it was something that was mind blowing. Just having that chance to be on a black college campus, just having a chance to be around individuals that looked like me, whose skin color was like mine, but came from different parts of the country and different parts of the world. You know, my my roommates were from either Alabama or Georgia, you know, so and then once you make those connections, you know, and, and being part of organizations while you're there, you know, you create lifetime um, connections to people that over the years, you know, if you go out of town and say, you know, for example, if I need to go to Atlanta, I know someone that stays there, you know, and I can connect with them. So, you know, that is such an experience where nothing wrong with living in, you know, with going to school in Milwaukee or going to school in, in the state of Wisconsin for that matter. But I always urge young people get out and see the world. And especially if you are attending a university i am an advocate for attending an hbcu well can i just say that that sounds absolutely amazing there's this show that is about girl going to an hbcu which made me start thinking about that too that is awesome awesome i if and, and I'm, i don't know if they're still doing these especially in regards to COVID now mm -hmm. they had 
the um, Black College Tours. And I know the Black College Tours were prominent, you know, when I was just somewhat coming out of out of high school. Um, actually, my parents, we, you know, I, I, we only went to one school and that was Alabama State. But I had my choices. It was either between Alabama State, Central, or which is in um, Ohio, or Southern University, which is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so I chose Alabama State because I actually had a chance to go there. I looked at their campus and it was just the life that was on, you know, we call it the yard. There was just so much life that was on the yard. And, and I made that choice. You know, it's 800 plus miles away. But then again, is it's being just on that campus and, and the culture of it all, the excitement of it all, you know, just taking in a new environment. Yeah, it's far from home. Yeah, you can't you know, run home if, if things, you know, turn turn south. You're not right down the street. But it teaches you about you. And it teaches you what you're able to deal with. It teaches you how to how to recognize who you really are. And so I think that is something where especially in, in for you both when you graduate from high school and if, if you're looking to to attend a college or you're looking to to go to college upon graduation, college is definitely an experience where you learn so much about yourself. The friends that you had in high school, unless they, they're going to college with you, you know, you still have those connections and you still keep in touch with your friends, but then you start to make more connections with other with other young people. And then your life really starts to begin and it may take a shift. So that's something that I experienced being in college and most importantly, being away from home. The next question is, did your um, degree prepare you for the career path you took? So if I can be honest, if I can keep it 100, to a certain degree in regards to my career path, no. So I have a degree, a bachelor's degree in accounting. I have a master's degree in management. The work that I do right now is more community based, but I'm not saying that my degrees have not my degrees have not helped me in life in general. So when you're looking at accounting per se, you know when you're looking at how to manage uh, um, how to manage money, how to budget money, just knowing the ins and outs of money that go out, but money that also comes in, and how to how to make sure that you're being effective in spending. Making sure that you're keeping um, accurate records and accurate um, bookkeeping of the dollars that you spend, and not just for your personal pockets, but for um, business purposes. My husband and I, we also have a business together. So, you know, that has helped me in my personal life. Just in regards to management, I don't manage anyone. I'm not a manager, but I'm a ministry leader for a dance ministry at my church, and some of those management skills or uh, that education within management has taught me how to manage the day-to-day -day operations, and I hate to say it that way, but just manage the, the, the operations of a dance ministry. You know, believe it or not, it's not all about just going to, to church and just dancing when you dance. There's a lot of other things that you have to take into consideration. You know, looking at uniforms, looking at props that you may have to use. Where's the money going to come from? Doing fundraising. So, you know, there's so much that, that you have to look at with that just as well. But in regards to my career path, I'll say this, um, prior to working for the city of Milwaukee, I actually used to work for a few banks actually in Alabama and currently in, Mil in, in Milwaukee rather. And so I can say that my accounting degree helped me with that somewhat, but it was more that was more of a sales job. So if you guys know any time that you walk into a bank and there may be one there may be someone sitting at a desk and 
you don't see them behind the counter. Sometimes that person that's behind the desk, they may be able to do financial transactions or they are there to set up an account for you. They're there to take a loan application for you. That's what I did. So I did more of the sales operations or the sales for for the jobs that I did while working at, at a few banks here and there. So, but right now I'm in community outreach. I think that the, the career path that I took and where I am right now is something that I hold very dear to my heart. And I think that really reaching back out into the community and making sure that whatever resources that I have access to, individuals or connections that I have that I have access to that can provide resources to the community, especially with me being a product of the 53206 zip code and still living in the 06 zip code, my goal is to make sure that the community has what it needs to survive. The only downside is that you know, when we're looking at the conditions that we're living in, sometimes it's survival of the fittest. And it's more of, I need this, I need that, and I'm going to get it any way that I can. So if there's something that I can do, especially within the job that I have now, regardless if it's focusing on suicide, my goal is to make sure that my community has what it needs. And I, and if, especially if I have the connections and the availability, resources that are available to make sure that my community can sustain that that's what I do. So that's the career path that I'm on right now. Wow. That's very interesting. I read that you were in a sorority. What was that like? So yes, I am in a sorority. Um, the sorority that I am a part of is Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated, founded on January 16th to 1920 on the campus of Howard University, which is also an historically black college and university. And most importantly, the colors are blue and white. I mean, like, it's right there, you know? So, of course, coming from North Division, blue and white. I'm a Zeta, blue and white. It's, it just, it didn't happen like that. But I'm just saying. I became a Zeta in 2000 while I was down in Alabama State. So I've been a Zeta for 21 years. Being in a sorority, oh my goodness, it is a sisterhood where, just like going to college, you have connections that are of a lifetime. I can tell you, for example, my line sister, excuse me, and I, we're all across the across the country. I have line sisters in Atlanta. I have line sisters in Texas. I have a line sister that's in still in Alabama. I have a line sister that is in Ohio. And so when you're when you're a part of a sorority or fraternity for that matter, you know, you're embracing what that organization is about. You're embracing that, that organization being one that represents scholarship, represents representing the importance of education. You're a part of an organ, organization that represents sisterhood or finer womanhood, which is what we're, we're founded upon. And that's just really being the woman that you're called to be and being finer at what you do. You know, there's there's just so much when you're a part of, of a fraternal organization or um, a sorority. And, and really, and it's not just about, and I'll say this, being in, when you're going to college, and if you decide to be become a, a member of one of those organizations, it's not about the parties. The parties are fine. Don't get me wrong. I didn't have my fair share of parties. That was a long time ago. We're not going to even get into that. But it's not it's not just about the parties. It's not all about kicking it with your line sisters or kicking it with your sorors or kicking it with your frat brothers. It's not always about that. That's a great thing. That's a perk of being a part of um, of a fraternity or a sorority. 
But whenever you join an organization, you need to know what the organization is about. It's very important to recognize what the organization was founded upon, the principles those or- that organization was founded upon, the, the individuals who founded the organization, you know, understanding why they founded, for example, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Why did they want to find, why did they want to be separate from the other organizations? But at the end of the day, and we call ourselves the Divine Nine, so that's every every Black fraternity and sorority from AKA, which is Alpha Kappa Alpha, all the way down to Iota Phi Theta. And so we are the Divine Nine. We all share a common purpose but we're just different organizations within within that element. So it was a grand experience. Right now, even though I, I am still a part of the organization, it's just that right now because of my work and because of what I do in ministry and also because of my home life, I'm, I don't have as much time to, to put towards to put towards my sorority at the time at, at the moment. Um, but I am always a support to the organization. So if I'm needed or um, if my if my LSs need me or if even my undergraduate chapter back in Alabama, if there's something that's, that they're in need of, I'm there for them. That's a part of being a sister. That's a part of that sisterhood bond. So that is what that was like as far as being a part of a sorority. So in addition to like being in a sorority, you know, like the whole sister sisterhood thing, Mm-hmm. Could you tell us about, like, the youth dance group you started in Alabama, like, now a dance ministry leader, and you also dance with um, a Nefertari African Dance Company? Like, how has, how's, how has that impacted your life, too? Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Thank you for that question. So, I'll start back with Nefertari, then I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up to now. So, to be honest with you, I started dancing back in. Uh, I feel like I'm dating myself. Y'all make me feel so old. 1991, back at Morris Middle School, there were, we, you know, you have your creative movement classes and everything. And so that's when I was like, oh, this dance thing is dope. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm feeling it is not realizing that. And, and I used to watch Nefertari because, I mean, I live, I lived and continue to live right down the street from North. And so, you know, whenever I saw Nefertari dancing, I was like, oh, my God, they are like, look at the energy. And I don't like wearing shoes anyway, and they're barefoot. Like this is dope, man. Okay, okay. Let me let me get a little bit more in tune to see what's popping. Once I got to North, I'm gonna be honest with you. Not only because North was right down the street, also my family legacy is from North. My parents graduated from North. My uncles and aunties and cousins graduated from North. So the the motto I know that you guys have, if I'm if, and, and Naomi, correct me if I'm saying it wrong. Is it future ready, legacy strong, or legacy strong, future ready? Legacy strong, future ready. There it is. There it is. So, you know, there's a legacy that my family has as far as being being graduates or being alumni from North Division. And so, not only because of that legacy, but because Nefertari was at North. And I was like, man, I got to be a part of this because the energy is overwhelming. I just love... I love the cultural aspect of what it is that Nefertari was representing. So at that time, it was the Nefertari dancers. Being in Nefertari from 91, I'm sorry, it was 80, it was 89 back at Morris. So I'm going to leave that where it is. But being in Nefertari from 91 to 95, 
really changed my perception on dance, period. Because when we're looking at African dance, there's so much. If you, this is the one thing I realized, you know you're a dancer when you hear something or when you feel a beat or you feel a rhythm and you can't contain yourself sometimes. And that is, that is where I've always been. If you listen to an African drum, and, and I'm on my soapbox, so please forgive me. If you listen to an African drum and you hear that beat, that beat is something that is so profound. It resonates so loudly, not just within, not just within my heart, but within my soul. And because that seed was planted, and God rest her soul, um, Sarah Lee Grant, who was the founding director of um, of Nefertari at that time. She was someone that really imparted so much into every single dancer that she taught. There's so much that she instilled within all of us, not just as dancers, but as young ladies. So I came to Nefertari as a tomboy, but I left North Division as a young lady. And that was because there were some things that, you know, there were things that she wanted us to know about being a being a young lady and what's what is what's gonna happen when you grow into a woman and and everything. And that's something that not only she instilled in me, but being a part of a dance ministry now and even um, the youth dance group that, that I started um, along with two other members back in Alabama, that is something where, you know, just me being a woman, that's something that I have to, that, that's something that I represent. And so as a, you know, I've been dancing for, oh my goodness, 30 years now, life happens. Your body responds as you get older, unfortunately. Your knees may pop. Your ankles may hurt. Your hip may have an issue. You might not be able to um, be as flexible as, as much as you used to. But still, dancing does not stop for me. And so it, it's something that even now, you know, still working with Nefertari, still uh, being a dance ministry leader, I take dance very seriously. And so dancing is something that calms my nerves. Dancing is something that if I'm going through something or if I'm battling something or if there's there's just something that I have to get off of me, dancing is how dancing is a release. I'll say it that way. It is a release. So I am dedicated. I don't care if I'm 80 years old. If God still gives me the ability to still move my limbs, I'm going to be 80 years old still dancing. Yep. <laughs> It doesn't matter. I can say one thing. I definitely do understand that that feeling that you you were just talking about because this is it does the same thing for me when I when I dance hip hop choreography. It was what got me through lockdown because that's where I started and mm. you know, and I felt you know like depressed or when I just felt drained, especially after you know I had just got surgery. I I started dancing and it and it made me feel a lot better. It just like especially you know. Of like the movement, I, I know exactly. I'm just gonna say I know exactly what you mean. Completely uh, like redirecting. The yeah. program. Can we go back a little bit back to your job? Like, could you tell us more about what you do in your job and how did you find yourself in this career? Absolutely, absolutely. So my current job, the the title is a community outreach specialist, adolescent suicide. So my job, the purpose of my job is education, and it's education around suicide. And even though my title says adolescent suicide, 
which focuses primarily on youth suicide, it expands well beyond that. We, we have to recognize that suicide is the 10th leading cause of death within, you know, just overall. And amongst, within young people, it's the second leading cause of death. And so I found myself in this, in, in this particular role just in understanding the importance of your voice as a young man, as a young woman, as a child. Um, I'm a mother to an 11-year-old. And so as a child, recognizing that the things that I went through, I have to not necessarily monitor her, but I have to instill in her those things that based upon what I've gone through and what I've experienced, kind of sort of making sure that she knows my story. So not only do I share that with her, but I share that with every young person that I have a conversation with or every young person that I may have a training with. So there's a training that's called QPR, which is called Question, Persuade, and Refer. And it talks about recognizing the signs of suicide and understanding the importance of what to do next or what to look out for, who to refer, or how to make a referral to someone that's able to help or assist um, someone who could potentially be suicidal. And so I found myself in this career space when I realized that, and, and, and I'm saying this to both you, Dinazir, and Naomi, within your generation, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that you all are Generation Z. There's so much that you guys, ugh, there's so much that you guys endure. There's so much that you guys battle, but sometimes you may battle in silence. And me being an adult, and me being someone where you may feel as if, well, as an adult, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your struggles. I couldn't understand what it is that you're going through. The one thing that I recognize, and I'm speaking for myself, is that I take off my shoes and put on yours. So I can understand and actually actually take a look at the lens that you're looking in. But also I understand that I was once a young person. I was once an adolescent. I was once a teenager. I was once a young adult. I'm a full-fledged adult right now, but I still have things that I battle. So there's so many things that you guys have access to now that my generation, and I'm a generation X, there's so many things that you guys have access to that I did not have access to. You guys have access to the internet where there's so much that you're able to see so much that you're able to take in that in my day, the internet was just starting. So when you're looking at, as they call it, the worldwide web, it is literally worldwide for you all because you have access to so much. Back then, this was something that was just getting off the ground. You know, so when you're looking at, uh, what was that? It was Internet Explorer, which I think is something that, I don't know if it's still out there or not. That's just how old it is, that is for me. AOL. I don't even know who still uses AOL e um, email anymore. You know, the you got mail kind of thing. Dial up. You know, that the, the connection was a dial up. That's where you had to use a phone line. You know, that's just how old the internet was when it first started. Now you access it, of course, from your computer, but you can access it from your phone. You can access it from your tablet. There's 4G, 5G, all of this, you know, this this data capability where it Everything that you look at is at the it's at it's right at your fingertips. And so the one thing, for example, that I, I am very passionate about is social media and how it connects to suicide, especially amongst young people. 
when we're looking at Facebook, when we're looking at Instagram, when we're looking at TikTok, TikTok challenges, people don't realize how suicidal TikTok challenges really are. And this is something where not just for me, but your voice is even more important because your life has value. And it's not for me to say, well, Dinazir feels, you know, I believe Dinazir should do X, Y, and Z, or I believe that Naomi should do X, Y, and Z because this is what's going to make them feel better or this is what's going to help them out. No, my job is to come directly to you and ask you, what is it that I can do to help you? What is it that you need from me as someone that's in the community or because there's a voice that I may have that I can that I can use to help you on whatever platform that may be or whatever your messaging may be. That is my job to be a resource for you as a young person, and especially when it comes down to suicide. Suicide is a very serious matter. So so that's that's one of, or part of the reasons why, you know, I decided to step into this role, moving out of a financial sector and moving into a more community based and um, focused outreach position, which focuses on such a delicate topic. So like you were mentioning, like how there's other there's other factors at play today because you said there's social media today, there's other things today that they're you know, like, you know, stuff has changed completely. So I wanted to ask you, before I ask the other question, mm-hmm. you have an 11-year-old child. How do you reach your child, you know, knowing that it's a completely different new, you know, era, generation? Yes. You know, how do you reach um, your child when it comes to um situation like this, whenever mm-hmm. it's that or anything like that? Great question. Great question. As a mother, and, and the one thing that I had to understand is the, the nurturing, the rearing that I received as a, as a child from my mother and father, that was some, that's something that I've learned in regards to instilling that same, that same form of love and affection towards my child. So I only have one. I only have one daughter. But I always make sure that my daughter knows that I love her. When I, I have to always make sure that I affirm her, giving her those affirmations, letting her know that she's beautiful, letting her know that, you know, she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to allow society to put a stigma on her, to put a label on her. I think that's something that as parents, we have to do with our children. I think that's something that even as community members, that's what we have to do with our young people. I think affirmations and affirmations are important, but also reaffirming to you all that we love you and we see you. And what is it that you need from us? Because the last thing that we want from that we would want from or want to happen to you is for you to put yourself in a depressive state to become anxious based upon things that are going on within your life. You know, that is our job. I'll say this, life happens. Life happens. We go through so many situations in our lives. And I'm just speak I'm speaking about Venetia right now, even as an adult, even as a young person, I've gone through things. But I can honestly tell you I had a suicide attempt after I graduated from college. So you know, I, I still live to tell the story being an attempt survivor. 
But it's even it's my job to embrace the fact that someone may be going through, or even a child for that matter, or a young person for that matter, someone may be going through because of a decision that was made. Because there's a, a move that has to take place, or they didn't get the job that they wanted, or it might have been a relationship that went sour, or, or there may be something going on in their family, or they may have lost their best friend, you know, due to suicide, or, or for that matter, due to a homicide. It is so important to love on each other, to embrace each other. My goal is, A, I'm trying to live to see another day. Until God tells me that my time is up, it is my goal to live to see another day. But in the process, what am I doing with the days that I'm living? So it's even more important for me, especially being on this podcast with you all right now, it's even more important for me to pour into you all, to pour into young people within the city, and to pour into adults. There's so many adults that are struggling right now. COVID took, a, COVID took a lot of people out. And I'm not just talking about physically as far as individuals dying from, from the virus itself because there were a number of people that passed from the virus. But when you look at people's jobs being shut down, when you look at at that point, a lot of individuals didn't have access to, to resources. And then being stuck in a house for so long, people's mental capacity took a hit. Their psychological mindsets took a hit. And so now we're just starting to rise above a pandemic, but we're still in a pandemic. So not only have adults been suffering, but you as young people, you all have, you had to do a whole school year virtually until maybe April or so. Or so. so that's, there's been a shift in that dynamic just as well. So it's, it's so important to, to embrace each other, to love on each other. We might not always get along. If everybody has their opinion, every you know, there's going to be differences, but there's so much power in that word, love. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. It definitely does take a lot of adjusting when there's a shift, which can definitely affect your mental state. So I do think the importance of what you just said is, is adapting and adjusting so that you don't, you know, go into a place where you feel like you have to, you know, do something that extreme you know what i'm saying so the next question i want to ask you i'm still on the same topic like what should we personally do if if we have any family or friends who are like having suicidal thoughts and they come to us hmm. another good question thank you for that one so if there's someone that you know that is battling with some thoughts or even if you happen to see some behaviors have a conversation with that person most importantly don't be judgmental and don't discount the way that they feel. The reason why I say that, every time or any time that you hear someone saying that they want to take their life or they just want out or I wish I, I, wish I, I could just continue to sleep and never wake up or y'all ain't got to worry about me. You know, this, this is, I'm about to be done or I don't want to be a burden to anybody. When you hear, when you hear things like that or if you see um, behaviors that are taking place or, you know, there are certain situations that have happened in someone's life where, you know, their behaviors start to indicate that they're going into a state of depression or they just do not want to live anymore. Have that discussion. Talk to them. Asking questions like, hey, you know, and I'll just use me for an example. Then you should, you know, talk to me. You know, you, you seem pretty down. What's going on? Let's have a conversation. I care about you. Your life matters to me. So let's talk. 
let's let's have a powwow or let's have a discussion. To be honest with you, in all honesty, keep it 100. And your job is to be an ear. It is your job to listen. It is your job to allow that young man or that young woman to really unload or to unpack the frustration that they're dealing with. And I'm going to be honest, this life that we live, especially now, it is not easy. But if someone has that outlet to talk about what they're battling, to talk about what they're feeling, allow them that space, allow them that opportunity, and most importantly, allow them that time to really talk about what they're going through. And if you happen to, you know, based upon what they're talking about, if there is if there's any information that you may have as far as like any resources, if and that's some information that I can provide later on throughout the the discussion. But you know, there's phone numbers available, there's apps that are available on the phone. I'll just go ahead and mention. So there's an app that's called a virtual hope box. There's an app that's called My Three. You know, there are apps available on your phone where you can give that to that person that's dealing with that's dealing with thoughts of suicide. The one thing that I do want to mention is, you know, just taking this in, in another direction. If someone is battling with suicidal thoughts, it may be it may be and it's something that you can't really, you know, something that you may not be able to handle. Bring someone else in. Because you don't, you if, if you can't handle it by yourself, because I'll be honest with you, talking about suicide can be something that is very heavy. Bring someone else in, but bring someone else in that's going to have compassion and empathy for the situation. Sometimes people say, well, this person is just talking about suicide because they want attention. Absolutely. Give them that attention that they're looking for because they need that. Nobody is, is no, I don't believe that anyone is just going to say, I'm going to go kill myself. Because they just want attention, you know, for whatever reason. It takes a lot for a person to say that. You have to pay attention to people in their mannerisms. You have to pay attention to what it is that they're really going through. And if somebody says, look, I'm done, spring into action. Even if you have to get an officer involved, you can actually um, get in contact with the CAR team, which is through the county. You know, to have someone come and help mediate that situation. That's something that I believe that you can do. That's very simple. That's, it may take some time, but what is time when it's about saving someone's life? That definitely helped because uh, you just helped me learn methods to help some of my friends who are dealing with that. And you just helped a whole bunch of other people. So thank you. I'm going to pass the mic to uh, Naomi now. There has been so much violence in here in Milwaukee. Do you have any current data from Milwaukee? Yes, I do. So over the past couple of years, let's just talk from COVID to now. When we're looking at suicides, the suicides did increase. I want to say in 2019, we were about, I believe it was 114 or 115 suicides. And it went up to about 123 approximately in 2020. I believe there was an expectation for it to be even more because of COVID. Either way, there was an increase. And either way, 123 individuals decided to take their life. When we're looking at where we are now in 2021, um, and this information is public data. It's it's available through the medical examiner's office, um, through the county's website. So we're currently at about 59 deaths by suicide. And we're halfway into the year already. The interesting part is looking at the ages of those individuals who have died by suicide, where... Based upon the public data, the youngest was 12 years old. There's a conversation that we need to have, especially with your generation, especially with 
those younger kids. When we're looking at 10, 11, and 12-year-old babies that are even having a thought of taking their life, that's middle school ages. That's elementary to middle school. So there's some more conversations that we need to take place. And honestly, being in COVID and being virtual and being in your homes, it didn't make it any much better. If we move to the homicides, and this, is, this again is public data, we're looking at 91 homicides for 2021, and we are halfway into the year. What is it that we need to do? And especially when we're looking at the ages, I can tell you that I experienced death personally with a young lady that was 14 years old that was killed early hours back in April. And it was something that rocked my house because this was someone that I was connected to, not just being connected to her, but being connected to her mom. And also with her being someone that her, um, with the young lady having a relationship with her, she was someone who, she was young. She was 14. She was a baby. There was still so much of living for her to do. And with the violence that's taking place in this city, with the access to firearms, it is, there has to be an overwhelming response for young people, your voice. I can only say so much as an older, as an older adult. Your voice is even more important when it comes down to tackling violence in the city. When it comes down to homicides, what campaign or what messaging can young people create around homicides in, in regards to creating messaging to promote life? Regardless of what beef somebody has, dude, you know, shake that off. Wipe off your shoes and keep moving because life is worth living. No one's life should be taken because of something that, you know, at the end of the day, whomever the, the individual was that took that person's life, your life is done. Because now you're a part of the criminal justice system. When we're looking at reckless driving, the stoli culture, what is messaging that you as young people can do to, to curve that, those actions that are taking place? And so 59 suicides in 2021, 91 homicides in 2021. So when we're looking at that, you know, that's about what, maybe 150 deaths at the hands of either someone else or at the hands of that person in, in general. And so there's more that we have to do. Violence doesn't necessarily have to be by suicide. It doesn't necessarily have to be by homicide. It's also non-fatal injuries. You know, so someone gets shot, but they happen to live from that, that shot. It was non-fatal. A hit and run. If someone was hit by a car and they just kept on going, that's violence. Someone who is suffering from a domestic uh, abuse type of situation or sexual, sexual assault or a rape, that's violence. Someone that is being manipulated, human trafficking. I don't think people really understand how much that impacts our country. That is violent. We as adults, we're doing so much or we're doing what we can, but we can't do this without your voice. So it is even more important for us to engage your generation, to engage the Gen Z, to engage the millennials, to really have a much more active voice. And not saying that your voices aren't active, but we all have to come together so our voices can be loud and also our voices can be heard clearly. I'm just going to say chills through my body because I, um, when we discussed on this episode, I thought of my friend who who had just lost his, his friend um, to gun violence and he's seen it. And, you know, I'm just like, wow, that's like, that's so crazy, especially thinking of the thoughts that, that he might be having now, and especially mm -hmm. seeing something like that and being traumatized. But, yeah, that definitely just 
sent chills through my, through my body. I believe it. I believe it. And then, Isaiah, I want to tell you that be of a comfort to your friend because he lost his friend. Mm -hmm. So monitor him because your friend is trying to console his friend who happened to see someone mm -hmm. who was killed, I'm assuming right in front of him. Yeah. Understanding the replay that his friend is having in his, in his mind about the life that was taken. Um, in front of him, the trauma, not only the trauma that his friend is going through, but the trauma that your friend is experiencing because of his friend dealing with what he's dealing with. And so be of a support to, to your friend. And if there's anything that we can do to help support and see this, this is what this podcast is about. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, to talk about Venetia, but this is about really recognizing what it is that the community needs to do to back up our youth, what it is that we need to do to be of a support to your generation. Because like I always say before, and I tell in every training that I, that I do, because I'm an advocate for you. I'm an advocate for your generation. You not physically be crying, but your hearts cry out for the friends that you've lost. Your hearts cry out for the trauma that you've had to endure. Sometimes people don't pay attention to your story, but some of us do. And some of us really recognize that at the end of the day, because I'm going to be honest with you, D-Nazir and, and Naomi, you guys got to get to my age. So the supports that I had at 15, at 16, at 17, at 18, at 20, even at 21, and going forward, that support system that I had, how dare I not? respond on giving that support system back to you. Be of a support to your friend, Dinazir, and if there's anything that we can do to support you, to support your friend, and to support the friend that happened to see the death take place of his friend, that's, it's a networking system. Yeah. It's a, and it's a ripple effect, because that one person who died, do you see the ripple effect of how that takes place? Yeah. His friend saw it, so now he's impacted. His friend is dealing with that trauma, so now you're impacted. And so because you're carrying the weight of your friend because your friend needs you, so Dinazir, somebody also has to be there for you. So it's a ripple effect. And so that's where we all have to understand that when you, when you think of a ripple, if you drop something in the water, if you drop a rock in water that is calm, and you see how when you drop that rock or you drop something in there, that ripple happens to take place from that that one that one situation that happened there's a ripple that takes place in the water that's what this situation is that's why we are here so if there's anything and not just for you Dinazir, naomi you as well if there's anything that we can do i don't care what it is that you're going through i don't care what it is that if you are supporting someone else let us know don't think that we don't know what's not going on because we do. There's things that we've endured. There's things that we've seen. You know, I've experienced death in my family by homicide as well. So we're here for you. If, if I have to just be available, and I'm not going to say if I have to be, I'm available to each and every one of you whenever you need to call. If you need to send me an email, if I need to come to the school, let me know. That's why we're here. Well, thank you so much. I definitely will share that, you know, to my friend, all of the information that we learn here. We're learning 
So the next question that I have for you is, what are the, like, the current programs for Milwaukee citizens? Yeah, so one program in particular that I want to talk about, and this initiative is actually steered more towards young people. Through the Office of Violence Prevention, there's a program called Beyond the Bell. This program is actually spearheaded by our youth coordinator, Tiangelo Cargill Jr. The Beyond the Bell program is a collection of youth-based organizations that have programming for young people within the city. And I really wanted to touch on that because of the podcast and because um, we are focused on you. This is all for you. So, for example, Running Rebels. We know Running Rebels is very prominent within the city. There's also uh, Urban Underground. There's also the Peak Initiative. Artworks for Milwaukee. This is one that probably no one pays attention to because I think anytime that someone thinks about this type of business, you know, it's like, oh, it's just so boring. The library, Milwaukee Public Library. Who would have known that the library has programming for young people? Unless you really paid attention to what it is that they do. But the library does have programming. So the Milwaukee Christian Center. And that's something that I would be more than happy to share with your advisor. And that, and that information can be sent throughout your network with youthology and with Youth Rising Up. And, you know, just within the North Division Network. Because these are programs that instead of, if it's something that you want to do, because Back in 2020, there was nothing for anybody to do. Everybody had to stay in the house. Right now, things are starting to open back up. What better way to get out of the house, to get active, or to really expound on the gifts that you have? You know, Zia, you're a dancer, you know, based upon what you shared with me earlier. There's programs out there for dancing, you know, Artworks for Milwaukee or Dance Works, looking at a way to cultivate your gift. Naomi, I wanted to ask you, and, and I, I hate to, to shift this and ask questions to the host, but that's that's just who I am. Naomi, is there a gift that you have? Do you write by any chance? Yeah. You do. I don't know why I thought that. I want to encourage you to write more. And I'm saying that because I believe that there's such a passion and there's so much that you want to say. And by you getting it out on paper... Even if it's a poem, if it's a short story, if it's a book, I believe that your gift is something that you also um, should cultivate as well. Because who's to know? You may end up being a best-selling author one day. Dina Zia, you may end up being on World of Dance or becoming someone on So You Think You Can Dance. But it's all about cultivating the gift that you've been given. When we're looking at programs like Beyond the Bell and, and the partners that we work with, those are just a few programs that are set aside for young people. You know, if there if these are programs that you want to get involved in, let's have some conversations offline so we can get you all involved. Definitely something to keep your mind off of what's going on as far as the, the, the death that's taking place or the violence that's taking place. You know, it's something that, in regards to your gifting, this is something that can help push you into a uh, into a space where who's to say you can make money off of your gift? Are there websites or phone numbers that people can call you? Absolutely. What I do want to mention is going back to contact points in regards to if um, you or someone that you know is dealing with suicidal thoughts. There's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That phone number is 1-800-273-8255 or 1-800-273-TALK. There's also, if talking on the phone is something that, you know, something that that person does not want to do, 
Then there's also the crisis text line. So if you can text Hope Line or Home to 741741, that is a text line where the conversation is strictly by text. There's also the Milwaukee County Crisis Line, which is 414-257-7222. Feel free if there's any websites that you want to look at. There's National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You can always look at that information you can put that in a search engine and there's so much that's going to come up there's the be the one two campaign that's b-e be the one and that's the number one two t-o and so that is a campaign that in, in if you're recognizing signs of suicide it gives you some steps on how that looks and again you know i want to mention those apps that you can download to your phone there's the virtual hope box there's the my three i believe there's also an app that the Jed Foundation that the Jed Foundation has. So there's so many resources that's available just at your fingertips. I also want to mention that if there's anything that I can do, if anyone would like to reach out to me directly, you can reach me at 414-562-7018 or you can email me at the as in Victor, V-N-E-W-M-A at Milwaukee.gov. Thank you so much for your time, Venetia. This has been a great episode. Before we close out, is there anything else you would like to add? The only thing that I would like to add is the climate that we're in. And we know that we're in a climate where racially it is heavy, financially it is heavy. There's so many things that we're battling with. But I want to encourage everyone just to... Do you know how much a smile can help yourself, but can also help someone else? Just taking time to enjoy the day. If it means, going, especially knowing that we live in Milwaukee, who's to say when we're going to get warm weather, like our weather can be real funky sometimes. Going outside and taking in the sun. Going down, we're one of the cities that has access to a beach, has access to water. Going to the lakefront and just letting, just watching the water come in and, and just cascade and just hit the rocks or take time to enjoy what we've been given, but also take time to smile. Smile not just for yourself, but smile for someone else because you never know that the person that you may walk past in the grocery store, the person you may walk past down the sidewalk, the person you may see on the bus, that even as you smile, who's to say? That if that person was thinking about taking their life when they got home, your smile made a difference for them. So that's what I would like to leave with you today. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for providing such an important message for our listeners. Today we dive into the importance of suicide in youth and way beyond that, including the early life of Benicia Kendrick. And with that said, I'm Dinasir Walker. I'm Naomi. And this is the Youthology Podcast. And remember to follow, like, subscribe to Utology on SoundCloud, Apple Products, and Spotify. And a word from our sponsors. The ACLU of Wisconsin is a nonprofit, nonpartisan, private organization with 16,000 members support its efforts to defend the civil rights and liberties of all Wisconsin residents. For more on the ACLU of Wisconsin, Visit aclu wi.org and click on About Us to learn more and like them on Facebook or follow them on Twitter and Instagram. 
and also with support from United Way and the Milwaukee Community Schools Partnership, where the goal is to transform schools into places where students, families, staff, and the surrounding community can work together to ensure every student is successful, like Milwaukee Community Schools Partnership on Facebook.